0: Ah, sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Well, Dan,
1: we're in a very strange place in America when it comes to religious freedom the scholars tell us that globally religious freedom is good for the economy. It's good for uh, people's incomes and for free markets and and for freedom and and everything to do with the developing world, things getting better, that they need religious freedom. And yet here at home, it seems like religious freedom has become a dirty word. Uh, Last year, Indiana passed a religious freedom bill, and the governor got blasted for it. Uh, So, And and business came out and said, oh, this is a terrible thing. Here to talk about the Indiana experience, a law professor from uh, Indiana University, Morris School of Law in Bloomington, Indiana, Professor Daniel Conkle. Daniel, welcome to Freedom's Ring.
0: Thank you, Alan. Glad to be on the show.
1: So, first of all, uh, let's just talk about the Indiana bill. What you know, what the bill itself was, uh, in terms of you know religious freedom bills that we've seen in the states over the years, was there anything remarkable about it? Was it a fairly typical religious freedom bill, or was there something about it that was unusual in terms of being uh, offensive?
0: No, I, I think it, I would describe it as a typical. So called RIFRA bill, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, of which uh, Indiana became the 20th state to adopt one, patterned on the federal RFRA or RIFRA, which was passed uh, with overwhelming support back in 1993. The distinctive features of the Indiana bill, to the extent they might be noted, are number one, that it did define person, that is, those who can claim the protections of the RIFRA. Uh, quite broadly, to explicitly include uh, profit-making corporations as well as non-profit corporations and individuals, which uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, in the Hobby Lobby case had already construed the federal law to do, uh, but Indiana made that specific. Uh, the other point is is that Indiana made clear, which clearly uh, is is the correct view, that the Indiana RIFRA would apply as long as the government was burdening religious freedom, even if the burden was being imposed in the context of litigation that was initiated by individuals. In other words, uh, even if the government was not a party to the suit, if it was the law that was burdening religious freedom, the Indiana law applied. But I think that uh, uh, should clearly be the case. Uh, In other words, that was a correct view, but Indiana did make that specific.
1: So... You know, as a veteran of, of RFRA battles, my career started in the 90s with state legislative efforts to enact RFRA bills at that time. Uh, I've got to observe how times have changed. Yes. Because our first RIFRA coalition meeting in California was all the liberal groups, the ACLU, the Jewish groups, the liberal law professors. Uh, uh, out here, a very well known, uh, well, very well known law professor to all lawyers because he teaches the con law for the bar review course is, uh, Erwin Chemerinsky, dean of, of yeah. the new law school at UC Irvine. Uh-huh. Uh so Chemerinsky was in the meeting. All the liberals were gathered there, you know, wringing their hands about the Supreme Court saying that RIFRA doesn't apply to states and wanting to beef up uh, religious freedom protections in the states. And and here we are, you know, 20 years later, and the liberals are saying, no, we don't want the same protections that we were the champions of, you know, 20, 25 years ago.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think what has happened, and this is, to my mind, truly regrettable, uh, and uh, maybe regrettable is too soft of a word, but in essence, religious liberty has in the minds of of liberals and in the minds, unfortunately, of lots of folks in the media, become uh, essentially a synonym for uh, conservative political causes. And in essence, religious freedom or religious liberty seemingly has become a culture war issue, which is really to the tremendous disadvantage of the cause of religious freedom which is a principle that properly understood protects everyone in their religious freedom. What basically has happened, I mean, it was late nineteen nineties, uh as you know, when the ACLU, among others, sort of dropped out of the of the RIFRA coalition uh in response to the possibility that religious landlords might be able to invoke RIFRA at the state law level against anti discrimination laws. And then I think the the current context Uh, has come about through the confluence of, on the one hand, the Hobby Lobby case uh, in response to the Affordable Care Act, and then the advent of same-sex marriage. So you have, in essence, sort of the the issues that were coming to the fore in the late 90s have uh, accelerated to the point that I think today it is uh, increasingly difficult to a popular audience to make the case for uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act type protection, even though on principle it is absolutely the right thing to do. So that basically in Indiana, I was a uh, strong and vocal supporter of the Indiana RFRA effort, testified before the legislature, and was then basically, you know, in the most of the wrath was directed against Governor Pence and the Republican members of the legislature. But, you know, I had friends sort of uh, consoling me, saying, oh, we know you're not a bigot. But, uh, you know, as if to support the Religious Freedom Restoration Act might be uh, confused with bigotry. And I was also a supporter of same-sex marriage. I joke that uh, I may have been the only Hoosier who supported Rifra and same-sex marriage at the same time. But uh, the point is, is that I think the media and the public discourse, with the support of these business interests, uh, unfortunately, I think is winning the the political battle— of characterizing, in my view, mischaracterizing general protections of religious freedom uh, to be, as they put it, a license to discriminate uh, and ignoring the protections that RIFRA provide and have provided for religious minorities uh, on all kinds of uh, issues, Uh, protecting the Amish. There was a recent case from a federal court uh, protecting members of the Amish community from being photographed uh, in a criminal context for uh, pretrial release. There's an incident from Arkansas which has a RIFRA, and this is truly, I think, significant and important, where a, uh, a religious couple had a soup ministry and they were being shut down because of uh, bureaucratic requirements that they weren't complying with. And, and the nice thing about the Arkansas RIFRA is, is that it permitted that dispute to be resolved uh, with, I think, from, from the media accounts, simply a phone call uh from a legislator to the member of the bureaucracy and they change their mind. Uh in, in other words they let the uh the religious couple continue their ministry. You have protection of sabbath observers, you have protection of beard-wearing Muslims and orthodox Jews. Uh you have protection of native Americans, you know, outreach missions to the poor. There is so much uh in the way of religious freedom that has nothing whatsoever to do uh, with abortion, contraception, or same-sex marriage, and it's as if that's all that matters in the way the debates are currently being conducted. And I think that's really a, a a true setback to to the cause of religious freedom.
1: So in Indiana, you said there was tremendous pressure put on the governor, and the business community reacted and and weighed through their weight around. Tell us what happened.
0: Oh, it was uh, staggering. the uh, The pressure that was being felt in Indiana. And that also was, to some extent, a perfect storm in that, among other things, and this is really the key point, the NCAA basketball tournament. It was about this time last year. Uh, Indiana was hosting the Final Four. And as the Final Four was approaching, you had the NCAA indicating its concerns. You had Charles Barkley, the the commentator, tweeting or using social media, indicating his objection to the RIFRA, the social media went wild. Uh, the business communities bought into the to the notion that this was a license to discriminate, and, and in essence, it basically became uh, a battle uh, about perceptions, namely misperceptions, uh, as well as motivations. And I should say, you know, uh, if you look at some of the folks who are supporters of RIFRA. Uh, you know, uh, I think they, to some extent, uh, on some of these matters went over the top, basically suggesting that a wedding vendor, uh, for example, would be categorically protected by RIFRA if they wished not to provide services to a same-sex couple, when in reality, uh, RIFRA, as you know, simply sets up a general framework or standard for courts to apply, and as I advise the Indiana legislature... Uh, the likelihood was great that even with a in place, a commercial wedding caterer uh, probably would not be exempted from anti-discrimination laws uh, that existed then and and do now in Indiana, in in certain local communities. So uh, I think in other words, I think both sides to some extent mischaracterized or misrepresented, but uh, certainly the play in the media and then into the social media, I, I think, and uh, the business communities was uh, really, in my view, over the top. And then perception, to some extent, becomes reality. In other words, if you if you consistently say that uh, you know this law will be misperceived as uh, license to discriminate, and you say it often enough, and you promote it through the media and the social media, then you go ahead. And, if you go ahead and enact the law, then the perception, to some extent, Uh, Is taken uh, to be the reality by the community at large. So it it was, I mean, the Indiana experience was, uh, for me, I mean, I was on the receiving end not only of of, uh, some nasty grams uh, in, in terms of email, but also from media inquiries from around the world. I mean, I was getting media inquiries from South America, I was getting media inquiries from Italy. You know, what's going on in Indiana? Wow. Indiana is trying to do what 20 other states uh, have done and what the federal government has done uh for uh for 15 uh, uh, 20 years uh but it was incredibly i mean to say it was blown out of proportion uh is uh, perhaps the understatement of the year if not the understatement of the decade
1: well and i think the takeaway from this indiana experience is i mean perception is reality religious freedom in america is now equated with discrimination. Religious freedom equals discrimination.
0: That's the saddest thing, and I think the uh, the, the the takeaway I would take is number one that defenders of religious freedom uh, have to continue to make that case. And then, as a more pragmatic point, I mean, I myself, having supported RIFRA, uh, am now on the fence. Not because I think it's I think it is absolutely the best legal policy to have an approach like RIFRA in place. But the cost to religious freedom, in terms of the misperception, uh, is so great that that I'm now inclined to think that uh, we're better off, those who support religious freedom, to adjudicate these claims under state constitutional law, uh, despite its uncertainties and weaknesses, uh, rather than contribute further to this uh, highly successful uh, misimpression campaign that, that, that continues even as we speak.
1: Well, you know, I'm involved with uh, some discussions of legislative strategy nationally, and uh, I certainly concur with you that uh, there needs to be some serious rethinking of these legislative strategies, because we can't just continue along this path of, of uh, religious freedom being equated with discrimination. It's, it's, uh, it's quite dangerous. Our guest today, Daniel Konkle, a law professor at Indiana University School of Law in Bloomington. We've been talking about last year's Indiana Religious Freedom Bill. Uh, professor Conkel, thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Glad to participate, Alan. And don't forget, listeners, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Renock. Until next week, let freedom ring.